Hello, and welcome to the Freewheeling Film Podcast, and I'm your host, Zachary Allen. And today's topic is Triangle of Sadness, or as my subtitle is, Cynicism Masquerading as Optimism. Here we go. On today's podcast, we have... Hi, my name is Tavia, and I am an artist. I work with fibers, and I watch a lot of films. Um, I've been uh, deeply immersed in uh, film enthusiasm for decades. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we are talking about Triangle of Sadness, directed by Ruben Ostland, who was a Oscar-nominated Best Picture of 2022, and it was a Palme d'Or nominee in 2022 as well. And the basic idea of this film is a two models are given a free ride on a yacht, and then, then the yacht is taken over by pirates, and they are stranded on a desert island to survive. And the interesting thing I find um, within the narrative itself is how they do blank cards on Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3 in order to give you a sense of understanding that this is separating, uh, this separating the time and the structure of the film where the beginning you get introduced to Carl in this kind of like male model being auditioned. And he is like one of many. And there's this sense of like very funny, like homoerotic behavior and very funny, like male model sense of like, sense of like upper tier, like, oh, these, the, we know these fashion brands, like about uh, Balenciaga, is it? Balenciaga. Balenciaga. It's Balenciaga and H&M. And I love the humor. I love the humor that was added to it because it's like the idea of like, oh, they're so rich that you can afford it. Let me look down upon you. And like that whole theme is set up with the rich and then versus H&M, we're all one big happy family. Ha 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 ha. And then you go into the, it, go into the yacht and you see that the manager and this and the cleaning the cleaning staff is kind of just deadpan they just don't even care but then you have like the people that are like re wanting to get from the rich the managers the the people that are serving the people they're that h&m happy they're that h&m like style where like we're here to get money we're here to have a good time we're here to have a good life and then like and if we get if we do succeed we get a tip yeah and then there's also that like idea that um, whenever you actually meet the rich people on the yacht and they are very disheveled they're very they just don't care type of thing mm -hmm. um there is this like ugliness also too i feel like every single character in the rich category has nothing to bring to the table I think that every single person has no story whatsoever. Like the main Russian guy, he sells shit. Mm -hmm. He sells shit. And then there's also the people that were like, oh, we sell, we designed landmines and hand grenades. And I was just off. I thought that was off-putting at first. Well, they're very much caricatures. They're cartoons. They're like a an icon or some sort of um, code for a certain type of person, you know? Like it's definitely satirical. Um, and I, I feel like it's not the first film to satirize even in this way. I mean, there's the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie. 
and a bunch of other films that have taken on this topic. Um, and it is a very stripped down, uh, lacking of nuance take on the, the class structure conversation in film. I think that the I think there was a sense of dryness, especially among like the rich too, and like in in that setting that you get to introduce into every single one, like they don't even know how to act or even be a person almost. Like that one character that really sticks out, I can't even remember his name, but he's bald headed and receded hairline, and he has and he's like the trying computer to find programmer guy. Was he a computer programmer? Yeah, he made his money in tech, but that's why he was socially maladjusted. Like he yeah. had, was wealthy, but he didn't know what to do with it. He didn't have the social skills or graces to, to get what he wanted, which was the, the, the attention and the, the, the trappings of wealth. The pretty yeah, wealth. he had, he had respect. to communicate even to Yaya, which is a male model, or sorry, a female model, Yaya, the female model. And she, and he, that, that whole awkward exchange was just like an understanding of like, like he was not under 100% aware of like how to socialize in that sense. But he had money and that's really all he needed for those girls. And that's all he did. He's like, I just sold my company. I just sold my company. And I was well, just I love the the two men in those women's lives are feeling very smug at this loser who's gonna come try to talk to their pretty, pretty girlfriends, their trophies. And yeah. they're sure that these trophies is gonna turn him away. And he's like, I'm rich. And then suddenly they're so nice to him. And the faces on on uh on Carl and um the the Russian yeah dealer they, they just they just kind of fade like uh salvador dali in the andy warhol <laughs> videos they're just like uh the 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 facial equivalent of a drooping mustache but um yeah i think i think that the whole point though is that it is pretty stripped down i mean one of the reasons that i think the ending is effectual is that it is such a simplified version in a lot of ways it's its weakness too though like I think Parasite is a much more interesting take on class. And like, I would watch Parasite over and over and over again. I and enjoy it. Ending, I, think and I don't know Parasite that I would feel off. that way about Triangle of Sadness. Huh? I think the ending of Parasite pays off too. I don't think that this one has a payoff ending. But there's one point I want to make really quick before we go into the ending. And that is what you said about like the brow structure. In the mm -hmm. beginning, it was, it is consistently hinted at that the brow, the space between the brow and the nose is mm -hmm. um, the triangle of sadness. Mm -hmm. And and I find that really interesting because like the idea is that like a rich person can get that Botox and they can get that fixed and trimmed. But whenever it shows class in that style way where it's like, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily something a male model could have or um, maybe Yaya could, because she gets paid to more than he does. But also it's just like a billionaire status of like, of understanding like the brow structure of Botox within that. And I also find that like the triangle of sadness um, is not just in the physical, the physical space of the brow, but I feel like it's also within the space of the riches shattered across, uh, scattered across this entire narrative. Like within the within the chevron of the captain, the captain is never like 
he's very he's very just odd altogether but like he doesn't seem happy in his situation and so he whenever he's getting drunk and talking about being like i'm a shit socialist shit shit socialist <laughs> just imagine woody harrelson just saying shit shit socialist well, in a way, you could also argue that the triangle of sadness is a love triangle between human connection and capitalism. Human right? capitalism. Yeah, so it's like anytime you try to connect to another person, there's capitalism in the room. Mm-hmm. It's like a third wheel that you can't get rid of. And so like, you know, I haven't heard anybody say this, but I think you could argue that the triangle of sadness is um, the inability, because I think the overall theme of the movie is, is this inability to connect and the capitalism is the thing that's keeping us from connection. That's keeping mm-hmm. us, and one of the reasons that like, and one of the payoff moments that I personally struggle with, which is hard for me, because I, I cannot, I hate watching people throw up. But one oh. of the reasons that the throwing up part is really important is that um, it is a human thing that everybody does. Everybody shits, you can't Botox that away. Everybody gets sick sometimes. And so by having these really wealthy people um, trying to prevent or hide them getting sick, like thinking that they're almost like above it and then watching them descend into like just absolute pandemonium and humanity um, is really uh, impactful and intentional. Um, I don't know if it's as impactful as say like in Parasite when they're in the rain running down the city, getting deeper and deeper into the set, like that to me still lingers. I think the barfing, and that could just be me not liking barf and- and, and That barfing. whole scene also <laughs> was, very, was well, I think it was very, very well done because mm-hmm. the camera stayed still the entire time and the boat moved and boat moved in like this like waves type of thing to make and make this like, literal 20 minute scene of vomiting and shitting and 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 shit water running down the stairwells create this like system of just unlike just just filth it was in like comedic filth but it was over the top like i honestly think that there were intentions to have like this tragedy of filth established within this within that scene itself and yeah, it was not a subtle are... movie. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not a subtle. It's not like let's go for nuance. <laughs> no, let's not go for nuance. Let's just see literal vomit pipes just outside. But I mean, it's also like an opportunity to let Woody Harrelson shine because he's such a great foil for that kind of environment because he has this kind of dogged cynicism uh that can just sit there and stare at shit running down a stairwell and be like give me another whiskey you know and and still be totally likable within that moment um he's like the foil for that is this like this captain who's just completely like amused at these rich people he has this kind of um wryness to his acting that is a really good match for the situation and he does a really good job of being kind of beleaguered uh but also sort of um uh you know mischievous enough to find that the that these rich people shitting and uh barfing all over themselves to be incredibly entertaining and and what we were talking about earlier which is the the this movie is largely about class and the divisions that uh capitalism creates uh, within class structures uh, as that there is a, a, a human unifying equalizing uh, element of being sick 
Uh, you can't uh, totally avoid that. It's like death. I mean, there's just like certain things about being human that is just unavoidable, no matter how wealthy you are. Um, and 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 food poisoning is one of them. And I think uh, he becomes Woody Harrelson becomes uh, the person that we're seeing through his eyes. These these wealthy people being taken down, being made human, being made um, equal. And and all while he's talking about communism. Um, <laughs> And, and equality and, and, and all around him, uh, people are, are, are lying on the ground in, in, in piles of their own sickness. Um, but I also think that there's a, an interesting point or an interesting dynamic between the two that Woody Harrelson causes Woody Harrelson to be so funny. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's, it's, it's him being such an American socialist captain on a $250 million yacht versus a person that pays to go on this yacht for a vacation spot for him and his wife. And I think his daughter, um, I think it was his daughter because she's such a far background character. I can't even tell who she is. Like- I honestly thought it was his mistress or something. I don't know. He it could have been, I, I, I don't know. Like, I want to say- daughter, like Pretty girl, yeah. Just yeah. Girl along. <laughs> but like the, but the, but the punchline for him is I sell shit. I said shit, <laughs> and and they and and the thing about the the thing about these two in that scene is that they're exchanging phone exchanging phone quotes and actually instead of actually engaging in conversation with each other, and he's and and the Russian is quoting Ronald Reagan and the American is quoting Karl Marx. Creating an interesting dynamic of people that are actually working on this ship and don't actually own it versus the people that are paying that are paid on this ship and are paying to be on this ship. And also all of these people paid. This is like the first night that they're on the ship. And this is supposed to be like an eloquent dinner. Well, for except for the, the influencers didn't pay. The influencer. Probably why they're the other set of eyes that we're primarily seeing through. You know, Carl is kind of our touchstone. He's the 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 person that the audience is supposed to be seeing this through his eyes more often than not. Um, and he is uh, not paying, so he's sort of an outsider. Yeah, he's like an interesting, also, mm. an interesting character that I think is a really smart character that goes in with open eyes and not and, and a new perspective and a very middle perspective or, me, or medium perspective where he had or neutral because he has no opinions on the rich he has no opinions on the poor he's only there with yaya and here and he's engaging with yaya the entire well, he cares time. about the rich because of yaya though i mean he's very sure. much buying into it and i think that with the russian guy what it's really telling you is that it doesn't matter if you have the humor about it, if you're aware of it, if you realize that you're just selling shit, if you're buying into the capitalist thing, it doesn't matter if you're aware, if you're still participating. And even the captain is participating in it. And that's probably why he's so drunk and cynical, you know? And so it's sort of like that whole conversation is just them being like, you're participating in this. And mm -hmm really and you can't really exist in in current modern human society without participating in it and it's so it's sort of them talking about it is also kind of pointless <laughs> the masturbatory uselessness to them that's just kind of a fun banter 
Yeah, and, and, and yeah, the pinnacle of them is do it of them like uh of them being completely pointless is like they're just getting drunk and playing red or black. That is the perfect drinking game that nobody gives a shit about. But I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen that on film. And I'm just like, yeah, this whole thing is kind of pointless, but at the same time, it sets this up this hierarchy of be of people that are being paid, and then also like the scene after the shit storm i'm just gonna call it a shit storm fair that's fair <laughs> and because like the, the aftermath of that is cleaning people taking care of all of it like you have a 20 minute scene of this like dinner that just turns into a shit storm and then you have this hierarchy of people that are paid and you see film on of them just cleaning up after everything that has happened and then there's a toilet just randomly exploding somewhere well and then like part of the reason at the beginning that 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 one of the, i thought one of the more effective poignant parts of the movie was that pep talk that the captain lady concierge lady is giving to the staff about their tips and everything and you see how powerless they are when the one lady's trying to pull her into the pool and she just can't get out of it and in some way they're really burdened by having to engage with these horrible rich people. But the reality of it is, is that they are excited because they feel like they have an entry to the table eventually. The, they, yes. the aspiration is there. The cleaning staff, the aspiration is not there. Yeah. Oh, there's no invitation. There's no hope that they're ever going to be there. They're, they're not, they're, they're furniture, they're background noise. They're just, you know, appliances to these people. And that I thought was a, a pretty effective. And again, there's nothing wrong with being pretty literal or heavy handed or lacking in subtlety if it's in service of the narrative that you're going. And I would say overall, this is not my favorite movie. And I don't even think it's that original an idea. I mean, it is so similar to White Lotus on so many levels. It's kind of like deep pen packed in Armageddon. Like it's like for some reason, not for some reason, it's because we're in the middle of an economic downturn um, that we're having an upsurge in these types of movies. Um, but I think it's well constructed for what it's trying to do. I don't know that it's my personal favorite, but I respect that um, minimalism and simplicity and directness, uh, it can be kind of tricky because it's so simple. You know, it can be hard to thread that needle of not being so uh, tropey that it's a nothing burger, but still... Um, the, the reliance on those tropes and those expectations of people allows you to do other things that you couldn't do if you had a more complicated plot, um, if that makes sense. No, that like, makes perfect sense. It would be less I, effective if it was more complicated plot. My, my investment in the, in the yacht was just to see like this, like see the class system structured mm -hmm and see how it's like and see how it feels whenever it's like the people that are being paid for it or the people that are paying to be on this yacht the people that are working on this yacht and the people that are trying to earn their right at the table that whole dynamic completely goes out the way in the third act with whenever you get a zoom in or a zoom out uh to uh, the pirate ship about to take over and I find it interesting that the the they shift gears completely on that moment right after the cleaning is being done and like there's like some sort of moment of clarity and then like oh all of a sudden hey Winston look isn't this our hand grenade 
And then like you see just this little explosion of a yacht on the yacht and then everybody's stranded on the island next to it. And it's a completely deserted island. And like that whole class structure that is like ingrained in you is completely shifted to where the cleaning lady is now the leader because she's the only one with a, with the capabilities of fishing and the only capabilities of creating a fire because the rich have nothing to provide and that this whole yacht system is actually catering to the rich. Even the people that are wanting their seat at the table, they don't know how to make a fire. Well, no, because money... The, you can just make money by having money. You don't need a skill. If you have enough money, it'll just make more of itself. Yeah, and the rich... Potato to be poor if you were born wealthy. <laughs> um, because if you just invest it, it will get bigger. Um, you don't really have to try very hard. Um, so, of course, you wouldn't have any skills. And you're used to everybody doing everything for you. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's like, you know, that's really present. And that's like one of the reasons that Tropical Island Lost was so popular is that there is, again, it's that it's that flattening out, that turning everybody into the same level, um, which allows for conversations about class structure um, through the contrast of its absence, you know? And then also a rebuilding of a different structure. Um, I think Yaya at one point uh, calls a, or she points out that she's created um, uh, not a patriarchy, what is it, a uh, matriarchy, um, which is pretty funny and, 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 and great. Um, I enjoy that. And honestly, it's like, uh, I, I started to really love um, the, the, the dynamic between, um, I think that's where you start to see people really shifting. Um, Yaya evolves so much when she's stranded on that island. I think that she she starts to really, um, towards the end, turn a corner and you think maybe this person's going to go out and be a better version of themselves after this. I think Gaga is the one of the, actually one of the most kind of stagnant characters throughout the entire thing. I don't think she has necessarily an arc, but she always has a place in power and throughout where it's, whether it's being the, per whether it's being a person that technically owns the hotel like she said she this is my hotel at the beginning in act one to him in a huge argument and also she makes a scene at the restaurant and she's the she's the top model she's an influence she she got into she got the yacht uh she got into the yacht for free basically and and the, and uh Carl is just taking photographs of her and they're just engaging with the rich. They have the, they earn their seat at the table basically for free and also because of Yaya's influence capacity. And so I feel like her being a stagnant, I think her as an influencer is stagnant even in the third act because as soon as she had, as soon as the Abigail caught the fish, she was like second hand. It was her and the the manager that was actually over the cleaning lady um the cleaning lady had power over uh sorry not sorry the manager had i can't remember the manager's name but the manager had um power over the abigail who was the cleaning lady but now the cleaning lady is captain and yaya is still like right there with them in that matriarchy and i think that she i think that she has that staticness and character but she has a moment where she tries to reestablish power at the end and Abigail crumbles and Abigail 
like it is very heavily hinted that she abigail kills yaya and the only reason i could think that she actually ends up killing yaya at the end or, or even heavily implied killing yaya at the end is that because what Yaya says as she's walking back up to the system. And also Abigail's dynamic and power is crumbling because they found a resort and they found an elevator that resembles a resort. And Ooh. so my implication is that the power is not the power is not going to be the same. Abigail is going to go back to being the way she used to be, and she doesn't want that. And so a person that has once has has once had power wants to keep it as long as they can keep it. And Yaya has the power throughout the entire thing. And Abigail doesn't like that. So she ends up killing Yaya. I feel like maybe on some level, um, and you're not totally wrong about Yaya. I mean, she's written to be a shallow, superficial character. But I think if you think of her as like a survivor, um, like she's just very selfish. She's always out for herself, but she's also very flexible and very fluid in what that could be. And she does adapt better than some of the others to the new uh, situation. Um, and sure, she's out there with her hand out first, but she also, um, she acclimates. And she's sort of like at the end, like before they go on that walk, you can see her just sort of going along with things and, and, and being kind of, there's a, a peacefulness to her. And one of the things that sort of telegraphs that she dies, but doesn't necessarily confirm it, is the the donkey that they kill has like flies around its head and when they're going on the walk there's flies around her head while they're walking which kind of um oh i didn't catch that immediately yeah um but i think that i think it could be i think i think it's very schrodinger's box you know i think it could go either way and i think that it's good that they left it unresolved because when you're talking about class struggle and class structure in a film uh in a contemporary manner that's an ongoing problem, you know? And so to leave it as a cliffhanger is reflective of the fact that this is still a current thing. There's no resolution because we haven't resolved it. And I think it's effectual in that way. And again, I don't know if it's my favorite movie. I mean, even the whole, they've been on a resort the whole time. I think there's an Amanda Bynes movie where she gets <laughs> island with a, a, a mega model guy that she has a crush on and then lies to him. And it's a comedy where she's trying to hide that there's a resort just over there, but he's really dumb. And so she, they're cast away, but like, so it's not even like, like a lot of the things that are in Triangle of Sadness are, are not new ideas, but what's he trying to say and did he do it effectively? And I think that the ending is really in service of what he's trying to say. And I think, um, I think that uh, because they ended it that way, she is both alive and not alive. Um, it maybe Carl gets there in time. Maybe Carl gets there just as she's getting killed. Maybe Abigail is not stupid, and there's no situation where they don't find out they're on a resort eventually, and Yaya's body doesn't get found eventually. And she has to know that even though you know she doesn't want to go back to that other world, that this this power that she has is very tra transient, very temporary. They had that guy walking by um, with the the fake. Um, bags anyway and they're gonna get found whether she kills Yaya or not she might not know that they've had interactions with other people on the island uh so far uh but you know I think it's reasonable to assume that she would stop and fall short as well and I think leaving it um as both and it's not um it's not a, a lazy bullshit thing there is a thing that happens in writing and film that really drives me nuts and it's it's uh and we had had a conversation about this previously and it's 
it's if I have to work really, really hard on your movie or film, you better give me some fucking answers. Um, there's a book, I won't name the book, um, but I will tell you guys, it was very popular in the 2000s and I had to read in immense detail for an entire very long chapter, a man being skinned alive. And then at the end of the book, they were like, I don't know, what do you think? And it's like, they had made all, they left all these little seeds. They planted all these seeds. They left all these clues and they'd set it up kind of like a mystery and then never gave us answers. This isn't like that. Triangle stand, this isn't like that. It's not setting up a mystery. It's not, it could be anything or you decide, which I think is bullshit. I think it's bullshit. And I think it's particularly bullshit if you make me watch something really uncomfortable like people barfing. But this isn't that. This is, it's a, it's a binary. It either is or it isn't. It's not anything. It's either she dies or she doesn't. And there's a couple of variations within that range, but it's, it's still narrow enough that I don't feel like it becomes a lazy writing gimmick. You know, it's, it's a tool. And I think it was the right tool for the story he's trying to tell. I actually agree with you. And the point that you made about um, it being uh, capitalism and this like consistent, like contemporary issue that we keep going on and on about and who's right and who's wrong. Um, that, that, makes this um, Schrodinger's cat ending where it's very open or even heavily implied um, that it makes that it makes sense to that because it's more of an ongoing issue that we consistently have and there is no resolutional point there I honestly think that bureaucracy or even even uh, um, uh, economic arguments of capitalism and socialism that are consistently heavily ha heavy-handed, talked about throughout this entire narrative keep going even to this day even to this day so like if you look at this movie if you look if you take this movie and take it back to 30 years ago or if you take it fast forward to 30 years ago it may not be the same setting but it's the same argument it's going to consistently be a consistent argument of human of human issues that we have created and established in, in our sense of are in, in the sense of our own human concept and how we forward and how we govern govern things. One person's right, the other person is wrong. And if then and there's always going to be an argument. There's no nobody's ever going to see each other's side, but they will drink with each other and they'll just bitch at each other, just like they always do in this movie. I think that the class system throughout this entire thing is an example of something that has been seen and has been done. It has been remediated, but it's also an ongoing conversation. And so saying it's not original, yeah, I can agree with that completely. I think that the whole point that you made is completely valid. And it's just backed up through our own structure that we have through society. Well, I also think that there is an overall momentum and not inevitability but um inexorability maybe <laughs> um like you could escape it maybe but probably not because that current is very deep and it's because so much of our structures um so much history so much um uh, of how it's always been has been capitalist uh, or based in capitalism or based in haves versus have-nots even theocracy, monothe or, uh, um, uh, monarchy, a million different isms. And it's usually some people have, some people don't have. How do we distribute the things that we have? And there's been so much um, uh, 
people who have a lot standing on the shoulders of people who have nothing for the duration of humanity, that there is an, inex an inexorable um, momentum or gravity towards participating in these capitalist systems, whether you want to or not. You know, I, Woody Harrelson is very charming, but he's still the captain of a, of a mega yacht. Yeah. And he's great at doing it. I honestly, <laughs> that was that was a, just a silly moment for him, and I like and I like to see him in silly moments like this. Oh, he's the best part of Zombieland. Oh yeah, oh easily. He's he's the best part. He, well, he's not the best part, but he's part of the best part of True Detective. Yeah, well, yeah, there's a lot of good things about True Detective, but now we're getting now we're getting off on a tangent that's not helpful. Your no, yeah, I agree. Um, um, but you can always have me back. I'd love to talk about promising young women. I would love to talk about that. There's a, I there's one thing I want to play. I want to think about for a little bit, and I want to just kind mm -hmm. of sit on it. Um, mm -hmm. and it's it's how they set up Yaya's character as mm -hmm. as the model, and mm -hmm. how Carl is involved in this and this fashion show. Um, this fashion show that you get introduced to Yaya in like this mm -hmm. like fashion show. She is center light, people are screaming her name, but in the background, the fashion show itself is has the quote, cynicism masquerading as optimism. And I find, I, I don't know, because I feel like this whole movie has a cynicism to it about- Oh, it definitely does, it's a satire. Yeah, this I think cynicism and also satire are very co-related, especially oh, establishing this, especially establishing in this bureaucracy. Oh, bureaucracy oh God, yes. I mean, maybe I, you can make a satire that's not cynical, but I don't know that I've ever seen one. <laughs> <laughs> and I find that really, I find that I find that phrase really kind of resonating with me, especially throughout this entire thing. And I I had to rewatch it today because I was just thinking about like. What was it said that was at the beginning? And I was like, yeah, this whole thing is exactly that phrase. It could be a triangle of sadness type. And also, like, I kept trying to tie in triangle of sadness, whether it be an elevator button, because the the, the main argument that Yaya had with Carl um, and that whole, oh, okay, that's another whole area of topic. Um, I think Carl kind of got dry at the end Carl got really annoying I think the thing is is that like as unlikable as the family and parasite is you're fully invested in them and you want them to be okay yes. and it, because they like each other you know and you can like them through the way they are towards each other and this like feeling of unity and togetherness nobody feels unified nobody is together nobody's like there's no connection you're not connected to these characters and these characters aren't really connected to each other everybody is this sort of insular lonely thing you know um but i think uh, another thing before i forget um we mentioned promising young women and then you talked about the dinner scene but i think that maybe something an insight i can and maybe offer to yaya's character as a woman is that um i had called her a survivor mm -hmm. and i that when your main commodity is something ephemeral that could be taken from you but that also makes you a target for victimization um you become kind of survivory like i think i've i've known um people who work in these very um I, i've worked in fashion and and there is a disposability and a, and a timing out 
um, for models. And, and I think that when you are living in that kind of world, you know, you have to take what you can while you can. And what she says about like, what happens if I get pregnant? You know, I like to love you, but you know, if I get pregnant, uh, that could affect my body, that could affect my ability to work. And I'm hot right now, but I could be unhot and, and, and not have this income in a fucking second because it's entirely connected to this thing that I was born with, but that I don't control. It's not a thing that she's actively um, uh, able to prevent or keep or, you know, and again, there's surgeries, but that's a losing battle. And, and I think that there is this um, quality, I think, to uh, women historically, where um, even though they have an outsized uh, amount of a certain kind of power, they lack power in so many other different ways that they know they have to leverage the power that they do have for the moment that they have it because it's not eternal. And I think that, I don't think she's malicious. Like, I think she's just out for herself. And I, I don't even think she's out for herself in a way that she would actively hurt others. But she knows that if she doesn't get things for herself, she's probably not gonna, you know, like, it, and I, I I lost my ability to articulate this thought, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that when your value is based on something that's not solid, you become very um, motivated to build security in other ways. Yeah, I agree. And the thing about uh, Carl and their, and Yaya is that their struggle at the beginning is financial, financial di difference. Um, and that whole argument with the dinner scene and her not wanting to pay because she wants him to pay. And then her card gets declined. And then this whole like existence and Carl is kind of angry with her about being that kind of like ephemeral type of character. And so yeah. she's very protective of herself, but Carl it can't, is, Carl is like the type of character where he is actually mad at her for who she is also. But well, they, he doesn't understand it. He's yeah, I don't think he does. His perspective. He's like, well, you make more money than me. But he's not understanding. As the conversation's going, you're realizing he doesn't know what it's like to be a woman or live as a woman. You know, like, he's not going to have to walk around at night and worry about being attacked. Like, I mean, in the reality, and this is this is just life. This is just me being a woman and having female friends. But you can't get drunk as a woman and walk around by yourself late at night. As a man, it's maybe not a great idea, but you're probably going to be fine. Um, and there's just certain elements of of again, like uh, um, you can, as a man, uh, as you age, uh, as a male models, uh, as they get older, are it's not as big a deterrent as, as with women. So female models, the youthful beauty looking like little children thing is important. And so she's gonna age out of that much faster than him. There's a lot of things, he's understanding it. Like he's, he is, and this is why I think Carl's so frustrating. He's the smart, he's smart enough to know he's smart, but not enough to know he's stupid. He, you know? and he so does it's like that he throughout gets... the entire movie where he's so readable and like yeah. very re much read like how he's expressing himself throughout the entire film. And you're exactly right. He's smart enough to know what he's doing, but not smart enough to figure out the whole picture type of thing. No, because he can't get out of his own way. He's really locked in. And that's every character, though. I mean, I don't know that there's very many characters that are seen beyond themselves. Um, but I think that, like, if you really look at Yaya, um, she could have been with an older, that, 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 that computer programmer guy had a lot of money. She could have left Carl for him. 
in a lot of ways, she says that she's very money motivated and she definitely is, but she's still with him. She's with him. She chose him and she's still with him for a long period of time. It's implied that they're not together for just like a short amount of time. Um, and, and I think that, I think that part of, I think in some ways, Yaya is one of the more interesting characters because she seems so easy to understand mm-hmm. and assumptions about, and she's just a pretty girl, but she's never really actively hurting anybody. No. Although Carl is actively firing people on the yacht for a glance. Through his own insecurities. Yeah. Exactly. I like, mean, in a way, she's very aware of who she is and her place in the world, and he's not. Yeah. And that's their contrast. Like she knows who she is and what she's doing. She has to physically explain to he's him. he's just lost. He has to <laughs> she has to physically explain to him that go to Abigail and and just stroke her ego a little bit and so when he says i love you you give me fish (laughs) in the most simplistic way and i'm just like you really don't know your place in the world world but at the same time that's all it took well he's very earnest i mean i'll give him that i mean i think he's sincere i just think that he's naive i think that's his big thing is his naivete I don't even think he's not capable of getting there. I, I think he's just not smart enough or doesn't have enough experience at this point in time to understand the larger dynamics at play or even to, to put himself into the equation or take himself out of it. Like it's just like he doesn't know how to factor himself into the things and it's it's throwing off his, his, his math, you know? Yeah. But all right, uh, let's wrap this up. Um, oh, you said... Overall thoughts on the film? Um, is there I thought it was. Want to add? I thought it was well made. I thought it it did what it set out to do really effectively. I thought it's very of its time. It's having a conversation that clearly a lot of people um, are engaged with right now, um, and that's pretty relevant. Um, I love the ending, and I don't always love those kind of um, cliffhanger endings, but I think it was done in service of the story. So I would say it's like good. I would give it like above average you know i'd give it like a b minus maybe it's not my favorite i it's not the movie i'm gonna rewatch a bunch of times out of five stars out of stars i would probably give it like a three and a half if i had to pull stars i'd give it like a four for me this movie was something like like you said i agree with the fact that it's of its time it's i think it's actually more important especially with like within the within the academic conversation about Mm -hmm about American economics, about um, narrative structures, and also about modern characters, um, and also class structure. I think that this film has a lot of merit um, within it. Um, and my personal favorite, one of my favorite genres, it's not my favorite genre, but it is satire, comedy, and it is very dry. The one thing I wish I could have taken, the one thing I wish I didn't have to see is the shit scene. But at the same time, that was a lot. Like I feel like I've se- I I don't think I could ever unsee that or un un like just it was a lot. I usually walk out for those things. I will say, um, there are only two movies I can think of where I am wholly on board for a vomit scene, and I usually look away. Uh, but it doesn't ruin the movie for me. And, and those two movies are, can you guess? Um. Is One it of them a Monty Python movie? No. Oh, oh, that's a uh, then the Hitchhiker's Guide get 
No, one of these is ones that I had recommended you watch with Savannah. Oh, which ones? Oh, Pink uh, Panthers. No. <laughs> I don't know. So the two movies that have barf that I think I, I absolutely am on board with is Stand By Me oh. and uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Oh, Drop Dead Gorgeous, we've watched. I don't think it has vomiting, though, does it? Oh, it does. It does, doesn't it? Oh, oh we does. love that movie. Yeah, I love that movie. That's going to be a conversation <laughs> for the rest of it. It is a lot of vomiting. And it is, um, I would say it's on par with Triangle of Sadness. It's pretty epic. I mean, that is. What movie? Uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Drop Dead Gorgeous with what? Oh, Triangle of Sadness. Oh, Triangle of Sadness. I would, I would put yeah. barfing at the end of Drop Dead Gorgeous up there with Triangle of Sadness. I'll have to talk about Drop Dead Gorgeous in another conversation because that's a movie I'm actually going to add to other things. But That one you made Bully Savannah into joining me for. Oh, we've seen it. We love it. I know, but that's like such a Savannah movie. I feel like she'd have things to say about that. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm going to stop recording real quick.